Hi everyone. Uh, good afternoon. We got uh, we brought in the big guns today. We got Joe Camp from our Bloomington, Illinois office with us. Uh, so we got a lot to dive into today. Uh, a lot of market activity, good or bad, depending on uh, which crop maybe you plant. Joe, maybe you want to start off and kind of update people on what what happened in the markets today and and what we saw with the the acreage and the quarterly stocks report. Yeah, some pre-holiday fireworks here and in both directions, like you mentioned, uh, good for soybeans, not so much for corn. These are big swings because they were big misses relative to the pre-report expectations on the acreage side of things. We, of course, had two reports out today, the acreage being one of them, the other one being the quarterly grain stocks update. Actually, the quarterly stocks numbers were all around pretty friendly relative to expectations. Corn, soybeans, and the all-wheat totals uh, were uh, all three under the average trade guesses here. And that was initially maybe something that helped corn try to attempt a recovery. But then it was just that the acres uh, were too much. And that's why we closed down here just below $5, still a little bit ahead of the the May low, so we can talk about, you know, technical observations. This was all about the fundamental outcome, though, of, of the acreage report and the fact that for corn at just above 94 million acres estimated for the planting area, that was a full 1 million above even the highest trade guess coming into the numbers and uh, a couple million above the average guess. A uh, big swing, I think, uh, let's see, 6.2% in total above Last year, that was the increase for corn area. And that was, of course, at the expense of soybean acres, which fell three and a half million below the lowest end of the pre-report trade estimates. And that's why we had the, the mixed directions today. Ultimately, it's still something I think we've got to dig into and digest probably when we open up next week, even with the short holiday week and with all of the attention on uh, the weather, that's not going to go away. Uh, but we still have to figure out what this means for going forward, the balance sheet for overall production and uh, what that means for prices. Yeah. So right as the report came out, it seemed like there was a very brief rally of maybe like seven cents. Uh, I think we might have topped out at nine cents. And it was almost like the market first looked at the, the stocks report because that was uh I think slightly in our favor, right? They were reduced towards, they were at the bottom end of the range. And, and so you saw that bump and then they kept reading down the report, look at the acres, at least that's, that's how I did. And I was like, uh Oh, and things collapsed from there. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of starting to dig ourselves here in, in, in the hole with the corn and, uh, but uh, good day for, for soybeans. And I still think there's, more hopefully we'll see more follow from the soybeans here next week but uh you know i look at those as you kind of talked about the ending stocks and the soybeans that uh, uh the june usda report had us at like 350 million bushels well you know they're pretty much just chopped off here close to, to 200 million and so we're at uh extremely low um uh carryover right now we haven't even talked about any yield adjustments yet. And so, and that's what's coming next, you know, in the, in the July report on July 12th. And so uh, I think as a very uh, bullish scenario, even more bullish than we've seen in the last year or two for soybeans, but it just, 
it's in stark contrast, unfortunately, to what's going on with with the corn. So and we we also just had Eric join us here from the as well from the Royal Office. So better late than never, right, Eric? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, updating, so it took me a little bit to get on here. So when I chimed in, you were talking about the uh, stocks report first and the acreage report second. There was a delay from the USDA on the acreage report, so it was actually not visible. And so all you had to look at at first was a stocks report. So yeah, that's where you saw that little bump. And then the acreage report dropped and they just sucked it right down. I was going to mention that too. That's so frustrating. And it's not like it's the first time it's happened, but you sit there and click on, on the report link and from different sources, you can go to the uh, NAS website and then to the Cornell archives right. and try yep. to click on them and they just spin and spin and spin and <clears throat> not available when the stocks report was able to come up. So everybody yeah. tried to look at the acreage report you're able to get into the to the stocks and that was seemingly friendly but yeah not so much the the rest of it well even you know our subscribers get direct text messages when those reports come out and katie says well which one do you want to do first the acreage or the stocks and i said let's do acreage first mm -hmm. <laughs> that didn't work out so well <laughs> well I, I was kind of looking at some of the states and how, what the acreage adjustments were uh, at least in the corn. And I mean, you, you obviously have some of the usual suspect, you know, Illinois, in their estimate increased by 500,000 acres. Uh, Iowa was up 300,000. But a lot of the states in the South, you know, especially Texas, um, a lot of these states were increasing, you know, by a couple hundred thousand here, a couple hundred thousand there. Um, you know, Texas, who's not a state known for producing large volumes of, of corn, uh, you know, was up 450,000 acres and uh, uh, South Dakota was up 300,000 acres. And so, but, but if you add up a lot of those states in the South, it begin, you know, even though there's relatively small amounts in each individual states, there's so many that it starts to, to make a difference. And so, you know, I just thought that was interesting. Well, and how much of that was put in late on top of cotton that failed? Yeah. You know, that's that's another thing that we got to consider. You know, it goes in late. It goes in low production areas, uh, for lack of a better term. And so ultimately, what are we looking at? And Joe, I'm sure you've dissected this. What a three bushel reduction makes up for the increase in acreage, something like that. Yeah. And, and so we can offset that with with yield reductions. But that's still a lot of acres uh, at the mm -hmm. end of the day. And we'll be, as we talked about, something that has to fit in next uh, into the July WASD coming up on the 12th. So well, and we had a lot of option hedges on either sold calls or sold calls on top of bought puts. Um, I've had those on for a little while now. And looking at taking them off here, uh, not a lot left to gain in those. So we'll pull them. They've done their job. Hopefully this is somewhat close to a low. I'm sure we're going to challenge that 490 and three quarter, but but then what? I don't know. So, you know, we have this report uh, behind us now. So I think we're going to go back and start focusing in on the weather here. Obviously, the more, more we get further into the season, the more rainfall becomes a determining factor, uh, even more so than what we've been through in June. And, and you also typically see the temperatures begin to warm up even more. Um, where we've had a fairly moderate season so far, a lot of temperatures in the 70s and 80s. And so we should start to see more uh, temperature days in the 90s and, and, even, and even hitting the 100 degree level. And so that's um, the market's going to be watching that, you know, with this in mind. I mean, what do you do? You, anybody want to venture a guess of what uh, 
We'll see for uh, yield adjustments from the USDA on July 12th. Joe, you got your bat ready? Take a swing. I'll say something minimal, right? Because we can't count on the USDA to go wholesale right? and, uh, and really help us out, as we learned today on the corn side. But it should necessitate, necessitate a yield reduction in July, which would actually be a rare one, right? We've talked about the USDA lowered the yield in June of 2019, but they kept it unchanged that year in July. And so otherwise they haven't revised yields lower in the July report since 2012, when they lopped that corn yield off by 20. Now it's not 2012. So we're not expecting that type of reduction for the national average, but to expect we should be down three or four or five bushels per acre on corn and you know, maybe just a, a half or a bushel per acre to tag along on the soybeans. That makes sense to me because we have to go back and, and, and think about how these are so-called weather-adjusted trendline yields, but they're yields that would be record highs if achieved at 181 and a half and 52 bushels per acre for corn and soybeans. And given what we know about this crop to date, where I'm sitting at in central Illinois, uh, the fact that we had 173.3 corn yield last year, and that was with Illinois at a record high 214. We're not there in this state. We're, we're well off in a lot of other places where the drought sort of flipped from west to east. But it's not a, a record high in my mind, and that's why it's, it just doesn't pass the eye test and should have a, some reduction in store for us on the 12th. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen some estimates from our other private parties between 165 and 175 in corn which that's a still a pretty wide gap you could drive your your tractor through that but uh i guess i would think we should at least from my own personal opinion i think we should you know expect to see at least a five bushel reduction on july 12th but uh, i wouldn't i'm probably in the camp of the you know, that 171, 172 area, but uh, I'm not, not quite at the 165 area yet, but there, I know people out there that are uh, calling for that too. So that's what they're looking for, for a national yield or for the July yeah. report. Well, they're expecting for the national yield, but uh, I don't know if you're going to see all that in the July report. No, but yeah. uh, uh-huh. I, I would, uh, I would hope you're going to see at least a five bushel reduction in the July report. And in my opinion, I think people are going to be pretty upset if they don't see it reduce more than that. But um, I would be surprised to see a five in a July myself. Well, it it I, hasn't I happened a lot, probably, but it has happened. You know, it, it, it uh, in 2019, yeah. they cut it 10. So, you know, it takes a pretty um, significant weather event for that to happen. You know, similar to what happened in 2019 with the late planting. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it would. It's out of the question that we could see something like that. But what? No, I think it's quite possible. I it would surprise me if if the USDA got that aggressive in a July report, though. Uh, Like I said, not unprecedented, but they they do like to slow roll it. And you know uh, how much recovery can we see? And keeping in mind, you know this this data is already collected. What we see on the twelfth, that's done. They're they've already finished it. So what happens between now and July twelfth is irrelevant now joe you're kind of in the west central illinois area and i read reports of some strong winds or derecho like winds here yesterday have you seen or heard anything more about that what are your thoughts on it 
Yeah, I have. You know, it's funny. It's it's like what you'd call it isolated when you get that heaviest storms with hail and, and high winds, but also widespread and in, in that there were pockets a very northern part of the state down to Effingham and south central uh, Illinois where hail was reported. Various pictures uh, between here and St. Louis of, of corn flattened uh, by the so-called derecho, I guess, that, that came through. Uh, we remember that um, one uh, back here uh, recently that rolled through the western Corn Belt, South Dakota. The guys really suffered it uh, back three years ago in August. Uh, we really flattened some of the corn in Iowa. So, you know, there's a toll that's that's taken when we have some of these severe storms like this. And it continues to be the exp- the pattern where it's either hit or miss. And it's hit really hard or missed out and to the detriment of what we really need, which is more more moisture than just a couple of tents, you know, coming all uh, all at once. It does look like a better weekend forecast, but more of the same in terms of potentially some really severe storms popping up with, with more hail. I mean, we're right in the middle of, of peak hail season, and this one looks uh, like it's even more aggressive than most. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the, the rainfall we get. I think you are going to see a lot of recovery, but... Uh at the same, you know, we're, we're starting to get pretty close to uh, pollination here where that rainfall is going to be critical, but uh, a lot of the, um, you know, subsoil moisture has been depleted. And so we're, we're kind of going to be working hand to mouth here. I think a lot of areas that there's just not going to be any more soil moisture for the crops to draw on. I think that's notable too, what you're talking about with uh, pollination, that, that we would start to see some hassling with the corn at this stage is somewhat concerning because we talk about, you know, knee high by the 4th of July. We know it's beyond that in most years, and it should have been this year with a lot of corn around here in the middle of the country planted uh, in a timely manner. That in part goes back to the acreage report. Uh, we mentioned some of those southern states that were able to maybe switch to corn late, but there was also extra corn acres because it got planted early and on time, yet it's still you know, at, at, at its tallest in a lot of places around me, uh, chest high. And and just to think we're getting to that crucial stage, maybe we're saving up, you know, the, all the energy for, for for the rest of the season and can can really come out of it. But it seems just like a shorter crop than what we've come, you know, to be used to over these past three or four years. Well, any any other thoughts on the, the report from today you guys want to share? I think game-changing was the theme after after the report dropped and everybody saw the numbers, particularly with regard to beans, because of course <clears throat> producers want to have a bullish mentality, and so they're going, "Man, this is just out of sight. We never saw anything like this coming." And now you've got crush plants coming online next year, and you've got this and you've got that. But we also need to, I guess, keep the little devil on our shoulder saying, "Yeah, but you're not exporting anything in new crop yet." That's a real concern if we talk about the upcoming WASD and the next several reports where we have to factor in the higher corn production, but potentially lower yields, acres versus yield. And then uh, what we've seen so far, as you mentioned, Eric, about the exports, I'm concerned about China having uh, Brazil as its top supplier of corn after recently, right? Um, removing those restrictions on Brazilian corn imports. And now, Matthew, as you can attest to, right, a record Safrina crop coming online. Uh, do we get that same amount of business? Or is that why already we're seeing new crop corn sales commitments, you know, at, uh, like a third of what they were a year ago? 
So that is a, a potential negative in my mind too. One thing I think that's a positive or could be goes back to the stocks report today. And that's that on-farm corn stocks were up 5% over a year ago, but the off-farm commercial inventories were down 15%. Maybe that's something that is supportive for basis here for a little while longer. And if the farmer holds up because prices have dropped now more than a buck and a quarter over seven sessions, uh, then we could see still some focus on uh, buyers having to bid up to extend coverage even into the, the new crop here. Well, and right before we started in here, I got a text message from a client in Missouri who said a uh, local elevator said they'd sell me corn for a dollar over the September. I'm starting to worry about not being able to get anything locally come fall. That's how bad it is for them. And we talked about the, you know, herd liquidation and different things going on with regard to the cattle market uh, in our Wednesday meeting. And and now they're starting to get spooked like they're not going to be able to get grain or any feedstuffs really for that matter. So it, the whole dynamic is shifting in the areas that have drought and and they're really worried even when new crop comes online, where are they going to get it from? You know, they're going to siphon it out of Iowa. Well, Iowa's underperforming. We, we know Illinois is going to underperform versus last year. So who's going to make up that difference? Uh, I don't think an extra 100,000 acres in the southern states is going to make that much difference. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, there's still an interesting storyline out there, but nobody can see that yet. Well, I, yeah, I, mean, I think we've there's a reason to believe that there's higher uh, probability of, of increased consumption demand for feed usage, but I'm I'm just concerned we're going to offset that with loss in the export market, because mm-hmm. I think we, uh, you know, the trend is pretty clear that uh, we're, we're bleeding in our exports, and I think we have to assume that that's going to continue for the time being with what's going on in Brazil and the way China is behaving, and and I just I guess I don't really know what's going to change that at this point, so unless it gets to a point where it's so cheap that China really massively increases their stockpile or something like that. But uh, I don't know that we're there yet. Yeah. And right now we're sitting at the worst numbers since we were in the heat of the trade war. Maybe the dollar continues to level off to change some of those terms of trade uh, to that extent. The only uh, other uh, thing I've been watching all of a sudden is a a real expansion of drought across Mexico. And of course there the, you know, next best buyer of U.S. corn and, and so could see some of that business boost back up here later this year. But yeah, not now by by that uh, measure. Yeah, we got some sorting out to do. Hopefully we can get some of that done this coming week. But, uh, you know, keep an eye on the rainfall totals. Keep an eye on the forecast. If both are wet, we're probably going to find a little more pressure to start the week. Well, we have an odd week next week with uh, we're closed on Tuesday for the holiday. But so. What do you guys look forward to for next week? What do you think uh, you know the market will see? See if Illinois got those weekend rains. Uh, the last several Saturdays, we missed out on what was promised across the, the southern two-thirds of the state. And these systems fizzled out when they got into the, you know, into crossing the Mississippi. We've had some pretty good rounds of storms here uh, so far. But again, like you mentioned already, the way the outlook, the GFS uh, midday did shift back drier for the sort of six to 15 day time slot. And so it isn't necessarily a drought buster that changes the overall pattern away from what has been 
uh, a lot of drought expansion risk here. So watching that, of course, uh, along with uh, what Eric also mentioned, which is do we have some chart support down here at 490 and three quarters? That's the May low. The fact that we've already taken, uh, as I said, more than a dollar and a quarter out of December corn over just seven sessions. Is that enough to already have priced in a lot of the uh, better weather temporarily and this uh, this negative crop report today? If nothing else, I'd look for some kind of short covering rally barring any massive weather event. Just, you know, guys, okay, enough. like like we are with the short options and stuff that we've done, some of these option hedges, you know, some of that profit taking on those and, and just a, a little short covering rally could be enough to spur it a little bit. Yeah, I think all eyes are on the weather forecast next week. So hopefully people get the rain that they need. And uh, uh, so we'll be looking forward to that. So, well, thank you guys for joining us. So we'll, we'll talk. All right. Safe travels, Matt. <laughs>